Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Salam everyone. Welcome to this Two Cents special. I'm Sarah and today we're bringing you a Two Cents episode on the topic of dating and marriage. Whether it's Muslim Twitter or family gatherings, the topic of finding someone and marriage seems to crop up all the time. So we decided to dedicate a whole episode to the topic and include snapshots of conversations we've had with 11 Muslims from a range of ages and backgrounds who've put their two cents on the matter too. I went out and I interviewed Rokeya, Nuruddin, Derin, Mohammed, Lukman, Ayo, Saima, Raifa, Fatima, Zina and Faima about their experiences meeting, courting, halal dating and marrying in the Muslim community for Selena, Nafisa and I to hash out and unpick in true Two Cents style. Um, So without further ado, let's get started. And a quick disclaimer here, the views expressed by our interviewees are not necessarily those representative of Amalia's. Enjoy. Guys, how often are you asked about your marital status? This morning. (laughs) Really? Yeah, on the tube. By who, bro? Were they trying to chapsy? No, I was chapsing her. (laughs) (laughs) You know me, you're talking to random women all the time. The reason I'm asking is because... I myself always get asked about my marital status and oh, do you? yeah I always get asked about my marital okay. status and I think especially as I get older I get asked a little bit more mm. and I alhamdulillah I always count myself lucky that I actually don't have a lot of family pressure when it comes to getting married it's more friends peers acquaintances certain circles and so I mean, it's prompted a lot of conversations, even like here at Amalia, we see a lot of the content that gets published online. Well, the subject of marriage in the Muslim community can never really quite escape a good conversation. Um, I wouldn't say I'm asked about my marital status, but I it is the topic of conversation. Yeah. Always arises. Yeah, I get a lot of Muslim women reaching out to me, just feeling quite hopeless. I mean, we had it on um, Amalia the other day where a sister reached out and said, mm. look, I'm just really struggling to navigate all of this. Do you have any articles or any reading that I can do? And we put it out on our stories. I'm going to go to the relationship and soul section of Amalia. Yeah. You've got loads of articles there. Yeah. So why do you think marriage is such a hot topic in the Muslim community then? It's half your dean. Yeah, that definitely has a big factor. Um, and I would say that when you look at society as a whole, you see loads of people making these like random off the cuff comments about how society is broken. Yeah. In terms of the way <laughs> Islam asks us to build a society, the family is the center point of that. Mm. Obviously for me, like fa- the meaning of family for me has, has ev- evolved and developed. Like me and my two children, we are a family. You know, like Aisha knows, like, like we'll hug and she'll be like, oh, we're a family mama. She doesn't think like, oh, but we don't have a dad. That's there permanently. So for me personally, whilst the definition of family has changed over time, in terms of the Islamic framework of how we build a society, the family is the center point. I think also if we get really honest, there is a huge aspect of 
Muslim women in particular seeing marriage as a gateway to freedom and increased freedoms. And I don't think we can deny that. Um, for I, some women. Yeah, for some women, but it is overwhelming. Mm. Like it is overwhelming how many people, and that that whole you know proverb of when I get married I will mm. do this do that damn hair blah 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 whatever We've actually it is got an article on Amalia yeah when it. I get married I will do all of these things and it's seen as like that's when for a lot of Muslim women it is seen as that's when you start living your life mm. it's interesting because I would say there's a polar opposite camp who think marriage actually equals yeah, yeah, shackles and shackles and yeah. that's it they gotta live their best life now yeah. get everything you know do achieve their goals whatever it is yeah. and then the foot cup comes yeah. off the pedal mm. yeah so I suppose with this episode maybe one of the things we're hoping for is to actually platform that grey space between the two extremes because um, that's where a lot of us live. Um, and one of the first people we spoke to, Raifa Rafiq, who many will know already as the host of the Mostly Lit podcast. She's also a trainee lawyer and at the time of the recording, a single Muslim woman in her 20s. She had this to say. I concocted a wedding plan with my good guy friends to be like, let's get married. We're like in different homes and then you'll just say that you're Muslim and it'll be fine. And he was like, are you mad? I'm like, no. <laughs> like I was so serious. Because I did, I 100, like I remember having a massive argument at home and then being like, talking to my, my friends and be like, I just, I need to get married really quickly. So it's that balance of, I want to get married really quickly so I can have freedom. But then I also don't want to get married to the wrong person. I want to fall in love. On the flip side for parents is a safety net for their children because they think that that man will keep them, you know, in check. But then for women, it's a sort of freedom from parental clutches and then, then when they get to this marriage and then they have to figure out the paradigms of that relationship with this new man I suppose what do you think about that it's, it's not shocking to me like the fact like that what we were talking about earlier was about how so many well there are a lot of Muslim women that I know there's a desperation for marriage because it means getting out of their parents household but what I think is interesting is more and more and Rife is included in this is that people are take, realizing actually it doesn't have to be me going from my parents' household into my marriage household. Actually, I can move out and I can go and live by myself. And more and more, I'm seeing Muslim women do that and saying, actually, I can't sit here for the rest of eternity waiting for the ma a man to pick me up so that I can go and live it somewhere else and have the freedom that I want and say, actually, I'm going to go and live by myself. Marriage pressure is a lot right now. Um, and it started, I think, as soon as I graduated. Well, now you're in the world, right, let's get you married. My parents, they weren't going to force me or anything, but the pressure is always there. It's going to come from your married friends. I go around my married friends and I'm just like, one of my good friends got married and I was, I think, 22. And I was like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Why am I not getting married at 21? Do you know? Um, but I, I think that one it's okay if you want to get married at 21 and you found somebody that's absolutely fine but the more you see something around you the more you want it obviously because all the more you think you're missing out i remember getting a proposal once and being like crap maybe i should take it literally i was sat in my bed like oh, i think i should take it did i know this man did i feel anything i'm like no didn't even know his last name <laughs> i think another aspect of this like considering a marriage with someone that you don't know is there is a lot of hypersexualization of gender relations in our communities mm. and what that means is you're I mean, going that train thing that I had this morning yeah and what what that means is you're going from like not talking to the opposite gender at all 
to then write, you now must consider them to marry. Funny you say that, actually. A friend of ours, Ayo, who's a student, uh, we spoke to him next and he's a revert to Islam and he he shared his experiences on going from a culture of dating and yeah. relationships. And as soon as he became Muslim, it was completely different. I very much underestimated like what it was when I first came to Islam. Like, Cause I didn't really think about marriage and then I was like, oh, I just clocked. Yeah, Muslims probably do marriage a bit differently. For non-Muslims, they would talk about relationships, dating and the parameters around those marriages are very sort of way end goal. There's a lot for them in between that. Um, whereas for Muslims, it's very much compressed. Yeah, you've got people who like, you know, they're going out on Friday night, it's the girls and the boys that go hit in the shisha cafe, they're going to the movies, whatever it is. I'm old, yeah, I don't know what people do anymore. And then you've got other people who like, it's segregated, right? But the problem of marriage is still in both camps. It's not know, because man, people because have got the heads of ISOCs who are all segregated get married quick time, mate. Yeah. I'm like, when did you not even talk and look at each other? So someone else I reached out to was Rakea Harris, who is a 25-year-old single Muslim woman, and she's vocal about her experiences with dating Muslim marriage. This is what Rakea wow. had to say about going from zero to 100. Podcast is going in. <laughs> Because people kind of want to go from zero to 100, they might not have had that experience of dating and love and all that kind of stuff or not even been allowed to explore those avenues. Um, not saying that that's right or wrong, but that's just what it is. And then I think you can't help but romanticize stuff because your idea of like dating is this like Romeo and Juliet Bollywood film, but it's not, it's not necessarily like that. Whereas I think that people that have been dating since they were teenagers, you know, obviously they're going to have a slightly more... Um, realistic or even kind of jaded view of dating and, and what I think by your mid-20s people do expect um, you to really be actively looking actively talking to people you know people make you think like there's something wrong with you if you're not and it is a shame because I think that women that get to 30 in their you know early 30s mid 30s late 30s um, and beyond it's like weaponizing women's age against them um so one of the monologues I gave to every single person I was interviewing for this podcast was that before I started um, working in the Muslim community I I did not think about marriage as strongly as I do now or I didn't I just didn't have an active role in it do at you all think that's not an age thing as well though no Okay. And not at all. Because really? I, I really don't. Because I've always wanted, like, I, and I, th I think a lot of girls will resonate. I've always wanted to get married. I grew up on Disney. Like, I've always had, like, some version of romance in mm. my life. Um, but it wasn't a pressure thing. No, it wasn't a pressure thing. And also, I didn't, it just didn't seem as amplified. And, and also, this has been a gradual process. Like, I didn't just start working in the Muslim community and, and then it went from zero to 100. Yeah. I've seen it escalate we've even seen like there's also, there's been a recent incident that's happened in the muslim community that everybody has been talking about which is just bizarre but again it also links back to this idea that mus the muslim community have some maybe a borderline obsession with marriage and this is one of those things that started to impact how i viewed my age and my my worth my self-worth as well which is something that Rakea also says mm. one of the people i spoke to about what might be working against a woman's idea of her self-worth when it comes to marriage is fatima she's a 23 year old married mother of two who documents her journey as a student and a mother and a wife as an influencer on instagram and she's got a following of over seventy-seven thousand people and um i asked her what the response has been like to her content and how she thinks it impacts the well-being of women pursuing marriage both in her online community and in her personal life if i post a picture of myself on instagram i probably get 
2,000 likes if I post a picture with my husband and my two kids. My likes are off the charts. I'm on repost pages, people post me on their stories. It's just like everyone is obsessed with this whole concept of marriage, of kids, of a happy life. And I spoke about this on my Instagram the other day and I was like, just an hour before I took that picture with my husband, we had a massive fight. And then I posted a picture because I looked nice. <laughs> and it's just like, you have to understand that. Like Instagram, it's just a picture that we're painting. But if I wasn't married and if I was 22 now, I'd be thinking, okay, cool. I have three years till I turn 25. I need to meet someone in a year, get to know them. Like I would have that pressure. My best friend actually, she's a year older than me. She's 23 and she's really stressed out. Like whenever we're talking, she's like, I really need to meet someone. I'm just meeting complete idiots that don't want to get married. And I, I want to get married by next year um and it is it's really stressful because that's what society has the islamic society has imprinted in her that she needs to get married that is what i don't like about how marriage is portrayed in the islamic um society in the space community yeah, space not space. islam but in in the culture in what we're working yeah with. it's not even just an accomplishment it's it's more so like it's it's reality. It's like, after you do this, this is what you have to do. But it also makes sense to me because there's so much that we can't do outside of marriage that a lot of people do, you know, outside of marriage. And in that kind of sense, I do understand why there is this sort of fixation with marriage almost. Um, because it is a significant thing, I think, in a young Muslim person's life. Yeah, when we talk about this ideal of marriage and you see people on Instagram, I think there's a big significant part that is often missing. And I think that has led us into, one, the hopelessness of I'm not going to find someone. Two, the whole idolizing almost couples on the gram and, and stuff like that. I think what we're doing as a community and it's a disservice to those that aren't married is we're not coming forward to actually explain, not that we should all be explaining how we got married, but that story is often missing. You know why? Because I think a lot of people are quite cautious of um, allowing others to drink from the fitna fountain. Like it's very mm. difficult putting out your story there if everything doesn't necessarily align with the his Islamic parameters that mm. we are guided with when mm. it comes to looking for a spouse. I think on top of that, what social media does is often when Muslims are getting married, they just announce it out of the blue. And there's no like he was in my life. There's no we were dating. The family it's just were like, disagreeing. Yeah, it's just guys, we're married. But I'm just thinking like from a practical perspective, right? What what do we think the process is? Because I, I think part of it is we're forced almost to operate in that gray area in secrecy. Secrecy from our parents, secrecy from the wider community. And then you're also forced to have to make that decision to bring this person to your parents at a point where you're not still thinking about it, but you're saying, yeah, this is who I want to marry. Because you can't just be bringing guys into the house. Like for, for my context of like from a South Asian background and the people that I know from those backgrounds, you can't be bringing in Mohammed and saying, hi, parents. I think Mohammed might be. We're just going to jam for a bit. We're, we're just going to scope it out and see if he's the one for me. It has to be. I'm bringing you him, Muhammad, because I know I want to marry him. And I think that does a lot of harm mm. in that we're having the responsibility of safeguarding ourselves mm. as Muslim women we're begins and ends with us, with ourselves. Mm. Right. And I think that's where you, you it, 
women can get into really dangerous territory of either like getting with someone who's quite abusive and they can't see it, mm. settling, just marrying someone with like abhorrent character because mm. they're having to do all the due diligence mm. and then take and then tell people in the final step. And I think that secrecy is doing a lot of harm to us. I think um what the hesitation perhaps is, you know, we were saying that perhaps the blueprint is you get to know each mm. other. And bef- instead, you know, you don't date, you go to your family, is the pressure yeah. of taking someone back home to be like, um, you know, this person is someone I want to marry. And I think perhaps if we had a bit more conversation around the fact or leniency around the fact that when you're prop- going to your parents, you're like, you don't say this is the person I want to marry. This is a pers- person I'm considering to marry. Or just not even considering to marry. This is just someone that I think I might yeah oh we've got a barbecue on the weekend can i yeah you know i mean but then every family has different levels of deep there's also like a conversation around what it's like to be the pursuer of marriage as a woman as well right because i don't know about you but i feel like it's easier to get attached to stigmas as a woman if you're upfront about the fact that you want to get married and even more so if you've got certain things in mind for what you want i think ultimately we date to marry you know or we get to know people to marry i always even if i don't want to necessarily have that pressure of talking about marriage and everything else I still know that ultimately, you know, this is like an audition, a very early stage audition to be my husband. And I need to know what is your opinion on issues to do with like racism and sexism and homophobia. Like I need to know all of those things early on. I think there's so many taboos for women, honestly, like everything from being too loud, you know, just being too loud, too outspoken. Um, I've known women that have to like tone down their views. Even I feel like I have to tone down my views for a first date. So I'm like, let me not hit him with the, you know, the hardcore like feminist theory on the first date. But really that's the kind of stuff I want to know. Do you know what I mean? I want to set those little tests and just see what he thinks about, you know, everything. We're telling women like, you know, you can do anything, you can be anything and, you know, push and be ambitious and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is that it then comes with them being reprimanded in some way or them, you know, you're too educated. You can't, them actually having this reality of actually you can't have it all because if I go down the direction of being ambitious and educated, actually it's going to, de- the reality is, in my friend circles, is decreasing their chances of getting married to the person that they want. I actually think that's quite indicative of um, the the lack of dialogue that we've, we've cited even in the beginning of this episode. One person that does it... Um, through personal examples is Simon Khan, who is a personal chef from London, Hampstead Kitchen, big shout out. Um, she is 48 years old, I believe, and she's single. And she talks about her experiences with me, um, more specifically addresses the double standards she's had to face. So your parents are, you know, put this thing and you've got to get married, go to university. They're not, you know, the generation that I was born in, there wasn't so much push to have a profession as such. It was like, girl goes to university and she gets, you know, uh, engaged, married, and that's it. I was engaged to um, uh, friends of a family at the age of 19, and I never met the guy. Um, but it wasn't, you know, a forced or arranged thing as such. It was my consent because I thought this is what happens. But I just quickly realized that he and I had nothing in common. I broke off the engagement. I then realized that, what is marriage? You know, I was there I was marrying a complete stranger. I need to grow the hell up. What the hell is going on? You know, I need to figure out what this marriage um, business is. But I realized it was more to please parents. Um, and there was a lot of pressure. You know, I then I 
focus on my career and I was doing well the, the more I was doing well the more pressure there was like you know why you focus on your career and then I kind of naively thought that the right person will come along at the right time and um you know I I started to respect marriage a lot the only people who were approaching me were people who were um non-muslim um, who loved the fact that I was a certain age, who loved the fact that I had accomplished so much, but also could see my femininity and my vulnerability. But in the Muslim community, they could only see I had a career. I, I, I'm independent. I live on my own. I have my own flat. But this notion that if a woman's living alone and she has me married, then you're a playgirl. I get, I meet Muslim men in um, <laughs> in mosques who think that I'm a player just because I live alone. Wow. So Fema Bucker, who is a writer for the Metro Online, wrote an article that I think went viral between all of us, where she'd gone out and she'd interviewed five Muslim women on their frustrations navigating marriage in the Muslim community. Here's what she had to say. Um, well, I'm a 25-year-old uh, Muslim woman, um, which, you know, um, according to my mum, is pretty old. <laughs> I feel like a lot of Muslim women have experienced that as soon as you reach like 21 plus years. It's like, you know, you're, you're getting on a bit, so you start looking for a husband. Um, so my mum's been on my case for a couple of years now. Um, and I have this conversation with my friends a lot, uh, my single friends, even my married friends. And like, we seem to have a lot of common concerns and experiences. And then I thought, you know what, let's turn this into an article and give the um, sort of Muslim women the platform and see um, what they have to say. That's I think cool. a lot of um, Muslim women who uh, read it felt kind of seen because these are things that we've been talking about with our, with our you know, friends, our sisters, even our moms, if they're partic you know, particularly willing to listen. Um, and so many of the experiences are the same. Like, for, for example, the fact that a lot of Muslim men are, you know, sheltered or babied or are um, or see um, you know Muslim women as sort of one dimensional or they see a lot of things as black and white like you know if you wear a headscarf that means you pray if you don't wear a headscarf that means you're the devil it's, it's very black and white for a lot of Muslim men and um, I think the article was um, resonated with a lot of women but yeah some Muslim women feel that some Muslim men are a little bit out of touch um, or are not in tune with what modern 21st century Muslims Muslim women are, are like and I think for them it's you know it, when they see someone who's particularly independent um, successful um, or you know, assertive and you know quite sure of herself they're kind of threatened by it a little bit or maybe they think or if she has particularly strong opinions sometimes they brush it off as like oh she's just a feminist or like you know western feminism has ruined her or whatever but I just feel like you can be those things without being brainwashed by white feminism and so on and I think Muslim men just need to reckon with that the idea that Muslim women have um, are just enjoying their rights and their lives and so they should. We've established that there is a pressure to get married. We've established that there are taboos if you're pursuing marriage. How are people exactly going about it? And does this term halal dating even exist? Listen, there's no expiration date on me. I'm vintage. <laughs> so we asked Nora Dean Knight, who is a student of knowledge and the author of the 40 hadiths of Aisha radiallahu anha, about what she thinks of the term halal dating. You know, I think this is a, it's a difficult term for sure. When I was studying um, my shayuk were very much against it and I recall the first time that um, the shayka that I was learning with we were doing a class on marriage 
and this issue of halal dating came up and she said no it's, it's absolutely wrong and i was really shocked because yeah in the west uh, in america and i suppose in london too halal dating quote-unquote is so common for muslim men and women to go out and eat or a museum or whatever um in a halal way that doesn't involve any physical intimacy the difficulty for me is that obviously i don't disagree with the shayuk i'm not in a position to disagree with them at the same time i feel that there's such a disconnect in what we're supposed to do and how we actually do it i'm glad nuruddin said it because we always hear like this is the real this is a theory but then on the ground practically it's like what are we meant to do the fact that she is struggling to align the two in terms of theory and practice and she's someone who's like got scholars accessible to her which i don't think many people can say mm. how do you expect muslim women on the ground and muslim community on the ground to navigate yeah. it well one of those women that i think has spoken candidly about that experience in particular is um, Zina, who actually wrote into us after we put a poll out. And this is what she had to say. I have to admit, within the Muslim community, Asian, Arab, African, mixed race, you name it, it's been quite challenging. And I've been looking since I was 25. I'm 30 now. And to be honest, the challenge isn't where to look. It's about the men you end up finding. I never felt pressured into getting married. So for me, finding someone wasn't tied to that. It was for my own sake and finding a life partner. Parents and family don't seem to care. And I think it's effort, not luck. It's never luck. Luck is finding a £10 note on the floor or winning something at a game. Finding someone and settling with them is about effort, from working within yourself first and then working with someone else. Um, I personally don't disagree with dating. I'm fully open about this. I mean, dating someone doesn't necessarily mean it comes with a physical intimacy or it, it comes with the emotional intimacy. I also think it's the intention. I think um, you have to be really clear of what you're seeking rather than waste your time looking around. If you know exactly what you're seeking, you'll be able to identify it from the individual you're meeting. Personally, I've dated so many times. Like I've met so many guys through different methods of online dating, in person, in college, university. Through friends. Through friends, everything. I've tried every single method. And for me, I would not waste my time. It's always like coffee. We'll have a conversation and it's not conversation about how many kids do you want or what do you No, it's basic conversations about my moral values is it going to be aligned if someone says i pray five times a day i fast and everything but i support the conservative <laughs> political parties like no sorry bye <laughs> i i think what's interesting is she talks about it in a very like almost like a methodical way mm -hmm. and not a hypersexualized way and I think again this comes back to we as Muslim women are often um we are kind of told you must only have one egg in your basket and then you have to invest into that egg right whereas her approach is like listen I'm gonna talk to this many guys I'm not gonna go into deep I'm gonna meet them for a coffee on that first day I'm gonna take it from there mm -hmm. right whereas for us it's like a lot of the times for Muslim women it's you you talk for time mm -hmm. you know whereas for her she's just she's almost doing like swiping in real life i mean she said we don't go that deep yeah you know they are still deep questions yeah yeah you can get to know someone in character. one day yeah in one day she's basically making sure that day is an efficient day right so she seems to have it down to a method but i know personally a lot of people struggling to get to the stage Zina's out of finding what works for her and we sat down with ayo and husband and wife muhammad and Darren for a group chat 
And um, I kind of probed them for how they've observed Muslims trying to even meet each other for marriage. Most people I know just talk to people online. And if you don't have like enough self-restraint, that can go very quickly into talking about stuff you shouldn't be talking about, really. So I feel like, yeah, it's a tricky one. It's this... The emojis are sticking on still. <laughs> you got to avoid those emojis. I think there was something on Amalia actually, which was like, if they're bringing out the, is it the aubergine one? Then you need to actually, I think if someone brings out Red the emoji, flag. you need to be gone. Like the peach one, the peach one, the emoji one, all those sort of things. It's like. How many um, people, how many people got married from the DMs? Like yeah, that would be a sick research. A good start, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'd love to facilitate that study and speak to people and be like, did it really? Yeah. I've been complaining LinkedIn. They're getting, got, someone yeah, told yeah, me yeah, that yeah, the other day. I've seen a lot on Twitter. People saying, oh, I keep getting DMs on LinkedIn. Can I just say, sorry, and it's a small tangent. With my quote unquote ex, yeah, we would swap em aubergine emojis all the what? time. I had no idea. You what? what? Uh, I, Sarah? Had, I had no idea what it meant. What? I just thought he's sending me a vegetable. <laughs> That's very cute. I know. <laughs> But I mean, Muslim women, we so have to let them be open about it because otherwise, next thing you know, they didn't even know what the aubergine is. <laughs> and then she turns up and sees the aubergine. <laughs> I usually encourage like go to cultural events, so, like poetry nights, you know, arts nights. There's some really like really really cool places where you can bump into someone and just be very organic. My wife laughing, she's like, "That's what you did to me." <laughs> <laughs> you just made me laugh when you said when you're mixing the tea. The yeah, man, mixing you're the like, tea. Like, are you right? <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, I said to this to a brother, like, let me know if there's a sister in here that you like and if I know her already. Yeah. And then casually be like, oh, yo, what are you saying? Like, you know, talking, you know, oh, sorry, no, don't be rude. This is my friend. And then, yeah, man, then I'm, I, you know, let them talk. And then I usually just cut and be like, oh, sorry, it's got to catch up with a friend over there. And I just keep it moving. And they're really talking and boom, I've done the magic. <laughs> from my experience is often, this is very common for married couples. Standard, like yeah, people, people come, come to, to us you, that we yeah. know, people come to Darren, people who are close to Darren, mm, they come to Darren. Swap. Like, swap. You're sorted now, so can you sort me out? Yeah. That yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, at the beginning, I used to, I used to yeah. hate it. I used to be like, bruv, like, what am I, an app? Like, yo, like, stop coming to me. <laughs> but actually, I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I think I might have to embrace this hitch life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, man, Will Smith. <laughs> okay, so we've got kind of a couple of versions there about how people are doing it. Zena also mentioned that she's keeping her options open mm. and she's exploring halal dating with relative to what that means to her. And also we looked at group dynamics and how even married couples like Mohammed and Derin are navigating courting for other Muslims and you see that like even even in movies like you see yeah. people setting up others like blind dates whatever it just feels like an organic thing to do there are these cultural spaces there are these in-between spaces where um people have 
access and are creating their own solutions to getting mm. married and getting to know each other. I thought his um he was very balanced in that he was like, and I thought a lot of it, like when I think of generations before, a lot of marriage was based in community networking right. and for a lot of us like for us we don't have aunties and uncles right so it's the generation yeah do that community networking for us Mm. and I think sort of what he's alluding to is we need to be each other's like wingman yeah (laughs) I think when we say we don't have aunties we're starting to like I'm definitely the auntie Sarah's been part of um oh my god do (laughs) you know facilitation at street where there is many many Muslims I was just doing my thing I was getting ready to go home Selena's like oh come let's go say goodbye to everyone I was like yeah all right then just walked over la 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 my girl comes out with okay salam alaikum everybody like as if to say goodbye and then she's like by the way you know um we're all here brothers and sisters we'll all be looking out for each other for marriage yeah we've got very eligible she didn't do that to my mouth. I had to hold her head. What was the outcome then? Let's not get into that. <laughs> I think Bishuyuk would say that the most halal way of getting to know someone would be that you have either some kind of family gathering or community gathering, whatever, where there are other people there and then you two also get to talk. And that setup is really impractical for a lot of Muslims who don't necessarily have family who are either around, maybe it's someone who already lives alone, or they don't have family that's that invested or that interested in them getting married. So there is a real conundrum for Muslims in the West. Growing up Muslim, you're kind of forbidden to to interact with the opposite sex. Um, You know, I think because I understand where the parents are coming from. Obviously, they don't want you to be led astray or go down the wrong path or anything. But because it's such a taboo of mixing and getting to dating or whatever, and then you reach a certain age and they kind of expect you to be these like dating experts or not dating, but like these kind of smooth talking, like confident um, young people. And that's not always the case because we've gone from not being allowed to talk to the opposite sex, to suddenly being expected to court them and, you know, to be romantic. And sometimes it's not very possible. With the whole, like, um, halal dating courtship thing, I think what is difficult is that it is such a great area. No one really 100% knows. I think, like, people can ask, you can ask your elders, like, you could ask, you know, a scholar and ultimately all they can tell you really is what it's not which is you know it's not about having sex and it's not about doing these things we know we already know that like we know it's not permissible but actually in terms of what is it's difficult to navigate that um and I think everyone's doing it differently like I've I've spoken to so many of my friends at so many different um levels in their kind of religious journey and people are trying to navigate this space of halal dating they don't want to jump into a marriage and have it end in divorce like a lot of people do um, but at the same time, they don't want to, like, not get to know someone enough. You know what I mean? Like, they want to make sure that they've had that period of really getting to know someone. And I think you have to spend time with them to get to know them. And I guess one thing that probably strikes a chord with many of us is when we've met someone, how do we act accordingly? Like, what are the genuine struggles you may have as Muslims getting to know each other within halal parameters? So I spoke to Lukman, who is someone I met at an ad shoot for a Muslim dating app, and he had some interesting things to say there about this subject in particular. So I asked him to expand on that conversation. There is there is um, an issue that I was thinking about, actually, because like, where does flirting fall in all of this? Because if you want to keep it halal, yeah, I don't really know how to like flirt in a halal way other than and obviously, I don't mean like some coarse jokes, you know, but it's like, um, 
other than complimenting maybe her hair or her eyes, you can't really do much and it's like, oh you're such a good Muslim. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't have the same thing. I'm very confused as to how to approach that particular um, subsection of halal dating. It's hard just in the fact that say you're getting to know someone for two years, getting to know someone for that long without like touching them or any kind of intimacy or any kind of, you know, just that closeness, that's difficult in itself and that's why it's you know, most people I would say don't really recommend to have that long, 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 you know, engagement or getting to know period because it is very testing. Um, but the reality is that not everyone's in the position to get married. So I think people are just kind of stuck in this situation and we're, we're all kind of just doing the best that we can. Sexual attraction can mask a lot of incompatibilities. They can, they can literally make like um, your brain like work in a different way. I don't know how it works, but you just, you don't see it because you're so clouded by, by this, um, I don't know what, I don't want to say lust, but you know. So, in some of Islam parameters where you actually can't, I mean, strictly you can't actually touch them because you're not nothing, right? It actually helps in establishing like a genuine bond, you know? So, sexual attraction isn't the cornerstone of the relationship, which it shouldn't be anyway, because that usually fades anyway, after X amount of years, you know? So then, after that, what do you have left? And then you find out that you're incompatible and then you're like, oh wait, this was a mistake. I just have to say, you know the point Lukman just made about how sexual connection? Attraction. Attraction can mask like um, incompatibility yeah. is, I think, so important. And I also think um, that whole conversation about romanticization mm. of marriage can also mask a lot. Mm -hmm. So I think it was Rokeya who I remember being in the room with her and she was saying, just because it is halal and just because it's being done in the quote-unquote right way mm -hmm. it doesn't mean it's right for you like just because it's all very respectful and it's all very like parents know it doesn't mean that's what is now a marker for... there still might be incompatibility yeah exactly yeah. exactly so let's say that you've met someone and you're navigating doing this thing as quote-unquote halal as possible right I think there's still this issue Muslim couples may have when it comes to getting to the hitched part because there's this crossover of like knowing you want to be with someone and then the practicalities of it uh, like Rukaya mentioned earlier right that it's hard to keep dating for two years until both parties are ready just because of even like the struggles of intimacy um for some, like uh, Fatima and her husband, getting married as soon as it was feasible was a building block of their journey. The reason why I chose to get married was because straight after we met, he basically told his mom, and this was in a space of two months after we met, and he his parents came and they were like, okay, we want our son wants your daughter. The reason why I said yes was because he respected me enough to come to my house um, and told his parents immediately. It did take us a year after to get married because of the whole convincing my dad and my granddad like and my uncles <laughs> you know <laughs> the whole family but um that it just like you don't really get this in this like this day and age like guys just want to date for years and years and probably not marry you and marry their first cousin or something <laughs> but um just the fact that he had so much respect for me and was just like do you know what um I want to marry you, like I've met you, I like your personality, I want to marry you and I want to keep things halal. I was 17, I was very, very immature, but it was a very good decision that that I met someone that respected me enough and, um, you know, didn't want to continue with the haram that we that was going on, the haram, you know, dating, can I say. Um, and I think that's, that's why I said, okay, let's just get married. But like, I suppose the thing is not 
everyone may be in a position to get married or it may be even more nuanced than that and then you have this conflict where you need some support right the the running theme is the community needs to be vested in us getting married from helping us find people to helping us fund it to helping us navigate it my dad himself used to say i would have struggled to bring even one man even half a man no he never said it my mum mum, yeah actually my mum what your mum said that your dad wouldn't be able to no my My mum mum said you couldn't even bring half a man yeah my Mm. mum mum used to say like you lot look for yourself she was like we wouldn't be able to bring even half a man that segues into a conversation about muslim women and men having to settle when looking for a spouse because Whether it's in the context of their dean, whether it's in the context of their financial status, character, their character, whatever it is. It's Jenny. definitely an online Twitter camp, which I think I'm part of, which is like, <laughs> don't sell Twitter. Which is just like every other month or every month you see some Muslim person putting some hypothetical romanticized situation up about, sis, would you marry a guy if blah, 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 blah. And you've always got these two camps of like, sis don't settle versus sis yeah you know what? what you know when you say settle yeah and you think of the examples right yeah so we were talking it may be that when you talk about settling yeah you know what our ge- the generations previous used to use instead of the word settle oh. compromise yeah do you think sometimes we we it's actually about compromise and it's not about settling and sometimes it is the fact that you're settling yeah, they, I, think the two Set, get, settling, I think the two get conflated yeah, quite a lot. Yeah, settling for me is you, you're you doing it out of fear because you feel that you're too picky to mm. find anything that's going to come Compromise closer. would be like, he lives in Birmingham and you live in London. Yeah. No, gonna, so that's sacrifice. That's <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> is that settling? Or? No, but it's, it, it, you, uh, you can't from, is outside, that different to di- from an outside perspective, you can't say if that scenario is settling because it depends what priorities that couple have. But settling is, for me, settling is you're feeling compelled to take this choice because you're too scared that, and you're been framed as picky and so this is like the only thing you have on offer for you. Right. So Noradine um, on Twitter comes across as having quite clear ideas on gender roles with regards to marriage and Islam, which is sometimes met with Muslim women left wondering if her stance is practical in today's society. So um, for men, I think it's a bit more clear cut that we know the man should be able to take care of a family. So men should definitely try to work for at least some period of time and save so they have a decent dowry to give a woman and so that they can take care of a wife and and potential children. Um, And and beyond that, then for women, and your audience might not like this, but we should learn those basic skills of the domestic arts. So being able to organize and clean efficiently and cook, because I, I think the reality is that most men still expect that. So if you come into marriage not being able to do it, it can cause a lot of friction. There has to be a really deep understanding of what each spouse's responsibilities are before marriage. And I feel that unfortunately men just aren't getting the message that this is their responsibility. So if you're a 21 year old man and you feel like you just have so much desire, you know, that you're, that you want to get married to fulfill that, but you can't take care of a wife and children, well then don't get married. Wait a few years until you can build yourself up and save some money and take care of a family. 
um, before you pursue marriage. I wanted to say as well, I feel like because that middle stage again is so compressed, I feel like there's more pressure on guys to sort of have their stuff together a lot quicker because I feel like if I come to somebody and I've got half my stuff together, I just feel like I won't feel responsible bringing that person fully into my life, to be honest, I'm honest with you, because I'm not going to be able to cater for them. I'm not going to be able to provide. That's the word, yeah. Provide. I'm not going to be able to provide for them. Um, and I feel like it's balancing your feelings of wanting to do it straight away so like you can enjoy each other as much as possible. But at the same time, you need to be in a place where financially you're stable. I feel like I'm not saying you need to be earning like loads and loads and loads, but you need to be in a place where you are actually stable, um, more or less stable. I think then the next things are emotionally as well. I feel like a lot of men have certain problems, I think, connecting with their emotions and being emotionally sensitive. You know, there's no right or wrong way. You have to find your way. Um, and, um, but it, you know, like now, I mean, I don't want somebody who's going to sponge off me, but at the same time, they're going to just say, right, I'm married and I'm just not going to work because at the end of the day, men do want to marry intelligent women who've got something of their own, but it's a certain type of man who wants to marry a woman who's established, accomplished, and will see her as, um, you know, a, a co-driver, not a passenger. But men like that are very rare and women like that are very rare. Well, my imam, he's an Egyptian guy. In terms of what you should look at, you look at a man's theme, you look at how he treats his parents. Is he kind? Is he just? Because money comes and goes. Um, yes, it's a very important part of day-to-day um, -day survival and living. You need money to survive. But when you're looking at your partner as a way out or a step up, that's not a marriage. I think what listening to this helped me understand is why the gray space is so huge. Mm. And part of it is because all of our contexts are so different. And part of it is that Muslim communities are so diverse, such different contexts. Yeah. And so everyone's got their own little gray space that they're navigating. And then when you put all of those together, they all become very different gray spaces in this one big, huge gray space with loads of different elements to each gray space. And I think that's it's like what, different equations. Yeah. And I think, I think that's that's why it's also so hard to like give a, a blueprint because as Muslim communities, we are, there's just so much to us. We are really rich in culture and backgrounds and stories and who we are and who we want to be and what we're trying to pursue and I think for me it's this part of these stories have just shown me everyone's gray space looks so different mm. and that's why everyone's struggling to take just one blueprint and just apply it to themselves and I don't know if perhaps sometimes we're embarking on marriage and we're over focusing on the beginning part because there are marriages where you know there's compatibility, the family's click, you know, everything is tick, 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 tick. Mm -hmm. But a year into the marriage, problems occur, yeah. right? And marriage is hard. You know, we talk about this half your dean, half your dean thing because, you know, it's it's not perfect. And, and maybe mm -hmm. we're aspiring to something that doesn't exist. I think it does exist. I think we're delusional about the, the capacity exists. in which it exists. So I think a lot of people think that we're supposed to maintain a status quo of harmony and 
um, mm. mutual love mm-hmm. um, that looks the same and is in the same version. But in reality, that love evolves and it transforms and it looks different depending on what stage of your life that you're in. The biggest takeaway I have from listening to that is that it's very much an individual's journey. Mm. And it's important to it's important to make the foundation of your journey is the thick of marriage um but also be accountable for and responsible for your gray space which is completely individual Mm. to you and i think also in a culture where dating and love and romance and marriage is maybe even amplified in the muslim community obsessed about borderline obsessed maybe it's important to reconcile with yourself that you might be alone in this journey either for a while or forever and be okay with that last year were last year or the year before i went to a 50th birthday party and everybody was kind of my age and they were all married you know and all got kids in university i was pretty much the only single person there and i was sitting on the table and you know, like kind of being cross-questioned on why I wasn't married. Oh, you look reasonably pretty. Why aren't you married? And da, 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 da. And I sat there and I thought, I can just say, well, you know, oh, you know, let's see what Allah has in plan. But I just felt like, I'm sorry, I'm done with this rubbish. And I said, why must I be married? Why must everybody be, you know, it's like the Tetford, you know, couples, like, um, why should I be married? No, 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 it's because they want to justify that I make them feel uncomfortable. I was the only single woman there. I didn't feel uncomfortable. But married people feel uncomfortable around you is that they don't know what to do with you. They, you know, like, why are you not married? You look okay and whatever. I don't figure you're being too fussy, right? And so I said, do you, do you pray? Do you have faith in, in Allah? Do you, do you have any, you know, because I do. And if, even if it doesn't happen in this lifetime, there must be a reason. Maybe I have a different purpose. Um, uh, one of my mentors is Warren Buffett, one of my ex-bosses. And um, so every three months I have a 10-minute call with him. And, you know, I have pretty amazing people that I've met. People like Bill Gates, Warren Buffett are people that I can call anytime and ask for advice. So when I ask about my personal life, they just said, um, if you exist, they exist. You have to believe that. So I now really believe it so much that my parents who came in the 70s had a very traditional cultural background. If they are now cool with my lifestyle, I left this amazing job, you know, um, uh, earning six figures to be becoming a chef and they were super supportive, then this is another phase of my life. I was meant to do all of this because I've never felt that it's been right ever before because it's now right for me. You know, I'm groomed in that way that I'm ready for it. And like, and I believe that everything happens for a reason, the people that we meet. So if I'm feeling like this, this is what God is preparing me saying, make space for this now, this is your time. I think there's a huge, huge element of Qadr and there's that fine line, isn't it? Of like how much of it do you, (laughs) how much do you invest your own time and say right I'm gonna like go on dates and I'm gonna put myself out there I'm gonna get on every app versus how much do I say you know what when it happens it happens Mm. what is it determined by guys it's preset right and yes and no and the world you know part of it is yeah you know you have to have your come with your a game you i don't know where does action fall in so you're making the dua to meet that person yeah you know if it's good for you all of this and making that specific dua 
and following up by action. But there's, you, I think you can't sit in your room and hope make dua. Allah, please. So what about all these people who've never made dua yeah. and got married? Yeah, who's in their qadr? <sighs> so th- th- this I mean, is... qadr is another podcast uh, <laughs> and ten. We often f- see qadr yeah. as a series of positive steps and moments in our life. Mm. Qadr isn't necessarily that at all. One thing that, like, in this conversation about, like, is getting married together or is it luck you know or it's not is... it's not haram to be single if you but tra- this but this is it right like part of me feels like are we doing women a dishonor but in terms of like do we just need to be saying listen it might not be in your color to ever get married i do and i don't think that would help people like, every every woman has their own reasons for wanting to get married as well they might not have grown up in a house where they've had a stable relationship with their parents they and or like seen a stable marriage in their lives and they want they might just see it as part and parcel of life right there's so many reasons why it might not even just be because they're lonely and this that and the other you you think to yourself like why would I be tested with this and then you come into that conversation with like okay Allah wants this for me because there's hikmah in it I don't know about there's also um, Allah tests you with the thing you love the most blah 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 but then you've also on in the different camp got people going like oh uh, you need to say you're a stakhfar and uh, you need to take action and there is literally so many different pieces of advice when it comes to the religious approach to Mm. wanting to get married that a woman can feel very very overwhelmed Mm. like I'm in a position where I feel like defeated and at the same time content so like I will take what you've said and be uh, and I'll go home tonight for example and I'll be like you know what Sarah just accept it, it might not be in your cudder and I'll have a little cry mm. and then the next day I'll get up and I'm like oh. I just got to do this yeah because it breaks my heart like I don't want to hear that but at the same time what? and so many women are in that position yeah. and at the same time they'll get inspired by hope and they'll have to take a little mm. bit of action and they'll go on a dating app the next day are we doing too much then are we doing too much action and not enough to work I think there are women doing both. Like when I look at my like capacity, doing the dating, the, like, are game strong, dating game strong, all the DDs. I mean, but like, am I, is oh, my no, dating sorry. game like Let's not say DDs? Do you know what? Um, I always think about like, and this is not this is a conflict, not in my dua, not in my relationship with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. But I'm just like sometimes I get to a position, and I've had conversations with other Muslim girls like this as well, where I'm just like. Allah, I don't feel comfortable putting myself out on a dating app for men to swipe me. Mm. Surely you wouldn't want that for me. Why do I have to take action, quote unquote, I, like, I don't but Allah wanna... never said you need to right so this is where I'm like well, well Allah said that you have to make dua and take action he's, right he's not saying that action needs to be on a dating but app. he's yeah, saying so he's Allah saying action right but, okay so I'll have this conversation with a with an elder person with more experience and they'll be like well you have to take according to the capacity that you have and the times that you're in if you don't want to be on dating apps Allah's not going to be like well, Sarah why didn't you go on dating marriage for some is a goal it in achieving those goals is the ultimate test in your faith in Allah yeah. of truly believe like even with Amalia like there's times where I'm like why isn't this goal happening and I have to have a conversation of my, with myself of like you want to believe in Allah and praise him when goals are happening and when things are going really mm. well and saying oh Allah's gather and Allah's timing and Allah's the best of planners but when it really matters is when those things are not happening for you and you still with your whole heart and soul believing that you are in this situation you are single you are whatever it is for a reason mm. and that is the the best of situations because Allah has ordained it and I think that is the, the it's, it's an ultimate test of faith. 
the conversation around kadar and luck actually is more constructive in the way of speaking about women's self-worth when it comes to marriage than maybe even the process of dating how do we tell muslim women that you know you are phenomenal with or without a spouse what i try to do is <laughs> almost flip it around um so when my my I don't know, my mother will be like oh you know has is anyone has anyone come or you know are you thinking about it and i'll be like inshallah mother soon pray for me i'm sure there's a man out there allah will will it and it will happen and i'm just it, i'm just taking my time you know mm-hmm. because i it's just like actually um it's like you can't force anything to happen that i think allah hasn't planned for yeah. and so if you feel that it's not the right time then it's not the right time and i think speaking about it with my friends and my girls it's it's currently like it's almost like we're now taking agency of the matter it's us being like actually no i don't i don't i don't want to get married now maybe in like you know 2022 um and that's fine <laughs> you know and it's it's now not what oh god what will my mum think it's actually what what do i think young muslim women are becoming um are owning their own parameters of who they are that's what I, i i like and i'm seeing it's actually i can say no and that doesn't mean that god is angry with me it doesn't mean that allah you know will think me less of a of a person of a human being it's maybe not what you want but i know that i'm like i am ruled by allah not by general culture mm-hmm. and it's not that i have to please you anymore i just have to please allah So for me the most important thing is myself and my and my own achievements because I feel that when you understand who you are and you have your own goals um that are outside of the need to get married um then then you'll get married or you won't do you know what I mean but then you won't be lacking in anything I'm not waiting for marriage. Do you know what I mean? It's not something that I'm waiting for. If it happens, alhamdulillah, that's amazing. Because who like I of course want a husband and some babies. But I'm not waiting for it now. It's like when you come, cool, we'll not we'll, you know, upgrade our linen. But <laughs> in the meantime, I'm also going to buy myself nice linen, not have loads of linen in the wardrobe for when my husband arrives. It's just <laughs> bizarre. So Hey everyone, thank you for listening to this Two Cents special on the Omalia podcast. We'd love to get your feedback and hear about what you really took away or liked from this episode. If you want to get in touch or read out next episode's credits, hit us up at contribute at amalia.com. You can also find us on Instagram at amalia underscore com and on Twitter at amalia underscore tweets. This episode was hosted and produced by Amalia, music by Ryan Little and sound design by Mario Saad. Like, share and subscribe and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you.